Did you spend five nights with America's most animatronic podcast, The Pod People? I'm Matisse Van Rossum, and I threw up in the ball pit. <laughs> I'm the purple man, Ben Sheets. Good afternoon. I'm Cleveland Mosier, but that's just a theory. A gay theory. Well, we're extremely blessed and fortunate this afternoon to be joined by uh, the preeminent Professor Emeritus of Five Nights at Freddy's at Columbia University, Jans Holstrom. Jans, thank you for joining us. Hi. Hi, it's me. It's Jans Holstrom. I hope you don't mind if we call you Professor uh, for this episode. Because I'm so good at basketball? Exactly, because you're so good at basketball and because you know so much about Five Nights at Freddy's. Meanwhile, the three of us are merely simple podcast farmers that don't Mm -hmm. know, that don't have any learning about Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah, Cleve watched a three-hour lore video about Five Nights, but he claims he doesn't remember any of it. Yeah, uh, so you know, Jans and I, we both work in in video games. It's no secret, and what? Uh, we work on we've worked on Amanda the Adventurer and My what? Friend the Neighborhood, and you know, what? during all that, it's important to do your research. So uh, I what? think we both watched the what we've both watched the uh, the three hour long Wendigoon lore video about Five Nights at Freddy's. I, however, remember none of it. I remember William Afton, something about a bite of eighty seven, and and that's about it. Cleve went into a fugue state. Yeah, my eyes rolled up into my skull like a Mentat. Like a reverse Mentat, though. You didn't learn anything. Yeah, I just rolled up into my skull. I came out with no information. Not helpful at all. (laughs) Honestly, that's kind of how I I felt after watching the movie, um, which we did two days ago. Usually we record right after we see the movie, so it's, like, really fresh. But I'm going to be honest and for real that I don't remember this movie very well. You're like the end of bad. American Psycho. No catharsis. No lesson was learned. Just yeah, preci- yeah, it. precisely. <laughs> it really was, man. Especially coming off of our last episode on Exorcist Believer, like ugh, this this movie was this movie was fucking really bad too. Like I I really thought that like there's no way that it could be worse than than Exorcist, and it probably isn't. But it's way closer than I was expecting. I really yeah. hated this movie. I mean, this this yeah. movie is not shitting on anything else's corpse, you know. Like it's it's just it's, it's just lame. shitting on its own corpse. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Yeah, At the end of well, the day, like it's it's harder for me to have like take it personally with five like a Five Nights movie because like it's not really for us. Um, but even still, I think that like the youth deserve quality, whether or not they can recognize it. Jan's professor, really. can you explain to us what Five Nights at Freddy's is? What what is it? Five Nights at Freddy's is a is a fundamentalist Christian Minecraft server. No, um, it is a game series, a wildly popular game series. I had to explain this to my mom the other day, which is how you know something has breached the mainstream. Is whenever your fifty five year old mom's like, "What's a Five Nights at Freddy's?" And I'm like, "Why were you Why are you asking that? You're a paralegal. What happened? Uh, is that is that the point eighty seven? No, she." works in law and she had a protective order that requested no five nights at freddy's in the house where the kid's gonna really? be going for this custody thing <laughs> what yeah i was saving this for the podcast because it's such a fun story um yeah my mom's paralegal she got this these terms for a 
protection order. And one of the terms was like, no Five Nights at Freddy's at all anywhere in the house. And I think that's really funny. So my mom had to ask me, what is Five oh. Nights at Freddy's? So Five Nights at Freddy's is a video game series, ostensibly, made by Scott Cawthon. Scott Cawthon is um, a dude. Uh, he's a pretty private dude. He made Christian video games, like weird Christian video games. He wasn't very good at making video games. And people said, your game is creepy. I don't think you mean it to be. And so he said, I'm going to make a horror game. And he made the first Five Nights at Freddy's. And uh, he released on Game Jolt. Game Jolt being a platform for like free little indie games. It's good to get your name out there. And um, at the time, like the horror games that people were playing were stuff like Slender and Amnesia and things like that. Um, so Five Nights at Freddy's was a big departure from that. And there's we could we could spend hours and hours and hours, but the kids love it. That's all you got to know. The kids love it. Yeah, I mean, the the first game, I got to expose myself here. I I did play it originally when it came out. You know, you were in the age age demographic for it when the first one came out. Yeah, well, it was a buzz at the time. And I remember, like, getting my roommates to play it and get spooked and stuff. And, like, structurally, the first game is pretty interesting, right? Because, like, it's you know, a very minimalistic game. You're just sitting in one room looking at cameras and there's a sense of escalating dread throughout the game because you know the fail state is a jump scare and you have to start all over again. So, like, structurally, it's very simple, but it works well. I think the problem is, after the first game, you know, they kind of, fall into the lore rabbit hole of way too far up its own ass. But and, like that's that's the problem with this movie too. See that's the thing with the games V the movie. The games never really I mean outside of the newest one, Security Breach, that really gets into its own lore. But that's the thing that people liked at Five Nights at Freddy's. It's never lore forward. Everything's hidden. Everything's obtuse, obscured. So there's a hunt there to it. Just like Dark Souls. Um, kind of uh, I mean, I, I have nothing against the Five Nights at Freddy's games. I've played most of them at some point. I don't. I don't. I mean, I've you've also played... played all of Garden of Ban Ban, which is insane. I have. Uh, I work in. Uh, I work in marketing. I play a lot of games. I like looking at like what people play and what they're going to be playing. And Five Nights at Freddy's, like, it's easy to see the appeal. Yeah. You got to um, keep your but... finger on the pulse of the youth. Yes. Um. Me, oldest man alive over here, like you gotta. Five Nights at Freddy's has got the animatronics. But that's the problem with a film, is the games are not lore-forward. A lot of the times it's, you know, people like Matt Pat, the internet theory guy, that are, like, digging through, like, subtext and, like, hidden messages to build this story. Like, Scott Cawthon, the guy that made Five Nights at Freddy's, never come out with, like, a timeline or, like, like a confirmation that any of us are correct about any of this. So the lore is this. This is actually news to me because, like, I watch. I've watched a couple of friends play a little bit of the first one, but other than that, I have virtually zero context for Five Nights outside of knowing that it is, you know, spooky Chuck E. Cheese for kids, and that it has unnecessarily deep and convoluted lore. But are you saying that that lore is literally just like? conjecturing that the internet has done and that it's not like actually in games that's that's even more annoying so so what's actually happened 
is the game theorist guy. For many years, this is how it works. Scott Gotham would put out a game. He'd put some little things. It was obvious from the beginning that he had an idea for like a background kind of small thing. But then as people latched onto it and they started adding in their conjecture and their theories. And I feel like past that point, uh, the creator of Finance Freddy started utilizing their theories to build his story. Like you can see him going as he's going along and all of this stuff, like I said, not lore forward. It's all buried in secrets in the games and you got to find these weird things and try to put it together. And that's how the movie feels like a bunch of theories that people have put together. I will say on a broad level, that's kind of interesting. It's almost a collaborative storytelling because it's like bouncing community storytelling off of like his storytelling. I mean, the result is a convoluted fucking mess, but... I see it very similar to TV series from, like, the mid-2000s that were um, uh, listening to forums and specifically changing their ongoing narrative because people were making predictions. You talking um, about Lost? Yeah, yeah <laughs> Lost. Law, I mean, there, there, there are several others. There are like a couple of Showtime shows that did the same thing, but you know, came out for that later. I think the only show that did it right was Breaking Bad, where all, all they really did, like they, they stayed their course, but they took like a lot of like horrible things that people were saying about Skyler's character, and then they had Brian Cranston say them to her, um, which is which is actually kind of neat. But uh, and I, I think that's a kind of a cool like. I don't think that's really the same thing. I think a better example no, is uh, Vince McMahon in the WWE. Okay. Listening to what the the marks think, and then just doing the opposite, regardless of it whether it makes sense or not. That's really one great. Of days, one of these days he'll die. One of these days. Have you seen him with his uh his Disney mustache lately? Yeah, I have. Cool. His he's his shoe polished hair and his weird little mustache. <laughs> it's John Waters' he's, mustache. He's got the pencil mustache. Yeah. <laughs> He's doing like a he's doing like a Vincent Price kind of thing, I guess. Vincent okay. Price McMahon, yeah. <laughs> Vincent Price McMahon. So let's we're we're about ten minutes in here. Let's let's talk about the the history of this movie, I guess, because we've laid down the groundwork for the source material, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long exactly this movie has been in production, but it's been many years. I think Blumhouse has had it the whole time. I remember when it was first greenlit. Uh, we were in college. It was 2014, yeah. I think. Jeez, yeah, so oh, almost I mean... 10 years. That that sounds right. Um, it has been through a number of scripts, uh, a number of different directors, the second of whom was, as you pointed out uh, to us, Ben, Chris Columbus. Yeah, notable... of uh, the Goonies and Home Alone fame. And Home Alone and the first two Harry Potter movies, lest we forget. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I I think he walked because it was taking too long and he wanted to direct something else. I, I can't remember exactly. Anyway, who he ended up with is a director named uh, Emma Tammy. I'd never heard of her, so uh, she doesn't have much on her IMDb. She directed this horror movie called The Wind back in 2018 that I've scrolled past on Netflix about a million times, but never clicked on. And she did a documentary about running uh, and then some TV stuff. Not cool runnings, no. Um, I think I'd be more interested in that. And she did some TV stuff. And some podcast stuff, and then uh, Five Nights at Freddy's. 
And I think she did a bad job. I'll, I'll say that. I'll say that right out. But I, I don't know how much of that I can really blame on her when just like the pre-production process for this movie has just been like eight years long and going through all of these scripts and having to deal with Scott Cawthon, who um, apparently threw out a, uh, an entire script that Jason Blum actually really liked and just chucked it to do another, uh, something completely different, which is, I guess what we got here. I wish I could say I was curious what that second script was like. I really don't give a shit, but, uh, <laughs> This what we ended well, up with is is really really dog shit. Yeah, I mean, considering it was in the oven for you know almost a decade, as he saw the the game series becoming more successful and at the same time becoming way more convoluted, it probably just got more and more and more lore heavy as things went on. You know, I'd almost be interested in seeing like the first draft because like. I think if you made this movie, like, very similar to, like, the original game, where it's just, like, single location, you know, over five nights, very minimal, very, like, bread-heavy, like, you could make something interesting. The problem is, like, again, it's just fucking overcooked to hell. Yeah, because, I mean, no, I, I I think you're totally right. I think that could be an interesting approach that, like, actually has some potential just like have one human character just the security guard and like have things escalating over the course of the five nights cuz its premise is fucking haunted chuck e cheese right like that yeah. is there doesn't need to be more to it than that and it seems like in in the tradition of the series the movie just ended up being and then, and then, and then, let's put another hat on it yeah. over and over yeah. again. And just What's like... thing is, like, those first games... Um, normally, I, I have issues with, like, adapting games in general. Or I think you're, you're kind of already starting on shaky ground because the medium is, is, is pretty different. Um, I, love, I love adapting games. And I love adaptations in general. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, you're kind of starting out a little rough. But with, with the Five Nights games, mechanically, like, they're so simple, and they already work really well as something to just watch. Um, I mean, like, Markiplier owes so much of his career to them, and, like, some of these other content creators. Five Nights' fame kind of rose, a lot, you know, kind of similarly to, like, Twitch streamers and the rest. Like, that, that arc is very in line. And... I think there's a reason for that. And so, like, I think that this film... I agree with you guys. Like, I think that, like, something quite effective could have been made if it stuck a little bit closer to that first game and stuck a little bit closer to something very simple. Because, uh, I mean, animatronics are terrifying. I think we can all agree that, like, the, the conceit is good. Like, that's why that's why it, it, it's done gangbusters for so many years. You know, it, it's very accessible. And it's a good idea. It's scary. Like, watching monitors for, like, these animatronics to come to life and eat you alive. That's spooky as fuck. Like, yeah, it li- it literally just arose out of those pictures from like the mid two thousands of like old abandoned like novelty off brand Chuck E. Cheese style restaurants. Whatever the one in 
Wisconsin uh, is called the Rockefeller explosion or something. Yeah, something like that. And just like seeing these old animatronics that have just been left to molder for like 20 years since the 80s, right? And it's like, yeah, that is creepy. What if those were possessed by the ghosts of dead children? What I already it? think I already think that's going a little bit too far just personally, but like it's, it's yeah, it shouldn't it shouldn't be it shouldn't be difficult. And and no. I think that I think that like if you stuck to a simple premise like that, like you could pr- get a decent amount of mileage out of that. Like if you're if you're creative with the set pieces and the scares and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. And this movie does not do that first of all i don't think it's creative with with its scares or set pieces but it's not helped by the fact that it's constantly having to juggle just like an absurd amount of exposition like what would be i think a a comical amount of exposition if it wasn't so dreary to to sit through you know what i mean well yeah going going into this movie i asked uh Cleveland like what percentage of this movie do you think is going to be just blatant lore exposition and uh Tease, you said 20% right I said 20% yeah Cleve you said 30% and I said 40% honestly I don't know what the exact was but it felt like 40% plus I think Cle- to me I think I think Cleve was probably the closest because it was it was more than twenty percent. I don't think it was quite half the film, um, but it did feel like it did feel like a, a third of the runtime was uh, characters explaining things. Let's, yeah. let's be super like clear too. Twenty percent is a lot. Is already too much. Like that's that's an absurd yeah. amount of exposition yeah. and we're like we're edging past that um yeah and, and i want to i want to touch on what you were saying tease about like the the ghosts of dead children thing like maybe that's already pushing it i think the ghosts personally like from my fugue state of watching like those lore videos and the rest one of the things i did personally glom onto was that idea i think it's a cool premise like that these children were like accidentally turned into ground beef inside of these puppets because of like the way that the spring contraptions work on them or whatever like and and now their ghosts and corpses like haunt the insides of these animatronics was it was it accident was it accidentally though or like originally no. in the lore okay no, i was gonna say it's, because it's the whole thing but like because yeah, this like, movie yeah, makes it very yeah. clear that this the serial killer who owns Freddy's or whatever was putting right. the children well, inside yeah, yeah, of the animatronics. The, the public thinks it was an accident, right? Um, but yes. Uh, but anyway, I think... Well, the public doesn't know what happened to the kids. They just disappeared and the police could never find anything. And as yeah, we get the line in the movie, they could never find anything because the bodies were in the one place they would never look inside the animatronics yeah but like you know tell me like in the lore maybe there's one or two that are like known to be accidents or maybe that's just the the 87 bite or whatever i don't fucking know that just might be your your weird your weird and bad brain but Um, the the point is is like like the kids were killed inside of these animatronics i i I think i honestly i think it being an accident is, is better and scarier but anyway like that idea of them sort of possessing the spirits of of them is i think fine and cool if it's your big reveal at the end or or even just 
it's subtly alluded to and never expounded on. Like that's, I think that's all fine and good. What I think is not fine and good is just repeating throughout the film. Whoa, isn't it crazy that they're the ghosts of dead children? Like, well, I, yeah, I think that's the, the fun. Well, yeah, because the problem is that there's so much other lore that has to be jammed into this yeah. that is built upon the foundation of the dead kids inside the animatronics. So they have to get that out of out there really early because that lays the groundwork for everything that they put on top of it. So you do just end up with exactly like you said, characters constantly over and over throughout the movie talking about the ghosts of dead children possessing animatronics. And it's like everybody in the movie just like, accepts that immediately at face value like there's not a there's not like a drop of skepticism is like what the fuck is just like oh yeah the ghosts of dead children are making these big uh animatronic animals walk around sure why not really making your film scary you know we're supposed we, to like, project said... ourselves onto these actors and like the characters don't even care like <laughs> it's so weird. Like we we um, said we said the same thing about the Exorcist Believer last week that it is just like a totally uh fearless and uh tensionless movie. And some somehow I think that I think this movie is even less scary and less sure. tense than Exorcist yeah, Believer. And I mean like shit, like this one is meant for kids, but you can still make it frightening. Like yes. the games the games are loved by kids, and those are still scary. Kids I mean, there's deserve, a million, like, kids deserve quality. Yeah, there's like, kids I mean, there's deserve also, like, quality art, just like we art. do. I don't know. I think about like the fucking Sky Rhino shit from James the Giant Peach. Or the or fucking, the fucking like dark, the fucking Dark Crystal is scarier than this movie. Oh, for sure. It's weird as fuck. Terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, like. I don't know. I think I think they it's one of those things where where they know that that their audience is primarily like younger people and so there's I, there just feels like less of a a need to impose quality cuz like oh it's for kids. Kids are going to love it no matter what. And like that probably is true. This movie's done very well uh financially. We'll we'll talk about that at the end, but like I don't know. It's it it feels it feels fucking trite to complain about this shit. It's like I'm not the fucking target right. audience for this movie and I like I hated it and it feels dumb to 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 talk about how bad it is, but here we are and we have to do that. We have to do the job. Yeah. No, I I fully agree. Like at a certain point, I just I just don't want to be the I don't think any of us want to be the guy that's like, you know, the YouTube thumbnail where it's like this movie. So we're making a soy face next to Freddy like None of us want to be here. None of us want to do that. Like, I'm I'm already pretty over it. Yeah, I don't even want, don't want, don't like even want to be around enough. anymore. I don't want to be, I don't want to do this. I don't, take me out of the content machine. <laughs> Unstrap me, please. Yeah, Jans, tell us, the three of us went to see this together, obviously, but since you live in a, a, a very far away state, you did not see this with us. How did you like this movie or not? Um, so, you know, at the end of Back to the Future, after Marty plays Johnny B. Good and everyone's just like dead expressions and he's like, all right, you, you guys don't get it, but your kids are going to love it. That's Five Nights at Freddy's. Like, you don't get it, but your kids are going to love it. Uh, I've talked to I've talked to movie people. Um, you know, I'm, I'm friends with the editorial board over at Dread Central, of course. 
I've talked to them about their feelings. Uh, I've talked to teens, which is something that you normally don't want to say. Um, I was going to say, where'd you find these teens? Yeah, yeah, I've been hanging outside the local school, <laughs> grabbing children up and being like, have you seen Five Nights at Freddy's? But yeah, I've talked hey. to uh, one of our younger community members who is 18. Um, that is a teen. Uh, he loved it. His little brother That's loved true. it. Uh, I think that it's a movie that is so not for us. Um, but at the same time, you were saying, you know, children deserve good art, too. That's true. The fundamental problem with Five Nights at Freddy's is the script. Like, mm-hmm. Josh Hutcherson, always charming, cute little fuckboy. He's like 50. He keeps looking like that. That's fine. Um, Matthew Lillard. I didn't think uh, he was very good in this movie. I didn't, really, I didn't I, either. I didn't either. I like, but... I like the Hutch. I like the Hutch in most things. But once Every again, time I see him, I, the... just, I just think he looks oh. like AJ Soprano. Have you seen Detention? It's a really good Hutch movie. No, I haven't. Um, and in some ways, to touch on you guys' points, it kind of feels like Man of Steel in a way, where it's like, we just want to see Superman be Superman, but it's like, yeah, but we got to go through the rigmarole first. You know, you got to deal, you got to deal with this. And I feel like I'm hoping that it's getting rid of all of this explanation so that it can make a leaner movie for the next one, because of course it's going to get a sequel. It's made all the money. Yeah, no question. See, I think the problem is because this was so successful, it'll only make Scott Cawthon double down on the the up-its-own-assness convolutedness of everything. I think it runs the risk of perpetuating the 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 Five Nights at Freddy's cycle where it's so immensely popular with kids, and what do kids do when they really love something is they start conjecturing you know they 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 start asking questions and stuff and like trying to connect pieces and find mysteries and stuff and then that just feeds the next one being even more bloated and convoluted and so on and so forth you know i just i i i remember that that thing for me i think i've talked about it a little bit on the show before was was cloverfield when when Cloverfield oh, came yeah. out and the you know the ARG marketing stuff they did and just like all the little hints and things like the last shot at the very end like you can see the thing off in the distance falling into the ocean it's like that kind of shit I, I fucking ate up and I was online reading like fucking the- Cloverfield theories how is the Slusho Corporation responsible for awakening the monster blah blah hell yeah blah, dude you know. I had a Slusho t-shirt in middle Fuck school. Fuck yeah. Cool cool shit. Yeah, no one got um, it, but I got it. But it's like it's it's the it is the same thing, basically. Like Five Nights at Freddy's is is that for the younger for the slightly younger generation, right? Um so like I get it. I, I have a hard time connecting with it, but I do I do understand it. I just don't think that it's going to uh I I, I have a hard time seeing that a sequel to this movie is going to be uh leaner and less convoluted, I must say. That is true, um, because at at the end of the day, I guess, um, some movies are just not for us, us yeah. old men. Um, and yeah. a big Ooh. part of Five Nights at Freddy's, a big part of the community, like, the community engagement is, like, looking at these games and digging and looking for connections and theories. And, you know, they don't have jobs. They're children. They have time to do these things. Yep. Um, so you put out a movie that's just full of that shit. And that's all they're doing is talking about it online. They're like looking for 
they're treating it like a Five Nights at Freddy's game. And it's just so radically different as a film than what we expect because it's it's so not for us. It's for a very specific demographic. And it's weird that that demographic is huge enough that that movie has made all the money. I think the real solution here is to give children jobs. Yes. They, they crave, Send the children the back to the, the mines. To the coal mines. Yes, yeah. absolutely. They will have no put time for Five Nights at Freddy's. Put an yeah. end to this once and for all. If we're going to put an end to Freddy Fazbear's reign of terror, then we have to send the children back to the mines. They yearn for it. They do. They yearn. Look at how much they play. Look look at how much they play Minecraft. Look at how much they play Minecraft. If that's not a yearning for the mines, I don't know what is. Well, let's let's dig into the the events of the movie a little bit because this movie kind of starts off wild, in my opinion, (laughs) with the mall scene. We did touch on the the mall scene. Yeah, beginning of the film when we are setting up our character to be relatable. Like this is the face. We're going to be projecting ourselves onto for the rest of the movie. This is the character we're supposed to assumedly like, right? Um, or care for, or at least, you know, like want, want to do better. Uh, and what happens? Yeah, so he, Josh Hutcherson um, is, a, is a security guard at the mall. And while he's on duty, he sees uh, a, a man sort of like roughly grab the arm of a young boy and like pull him away and to Josh Hutcherson that means oh my god Jeffrey Epstein and he just <laughs> starts sprinting through the mall shoving people out of the way and gets to uh sees the the man and the boy standing by the fountain and just immediately tackles the man into the fountain and starts beating the ever-loving piss out of him. We then cut to him sitting in a career counselor's office uh, as Matthew Lillard, who is wasted on this movie, I must say. Uh, he's the best actor in, in this thing. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, is being like, hmm, so you beat the shit out of a dad in front of his own son. <laughs> and it's like... <laughs> Yeah, that that is fucking crazy. I mean, I guess I guess there's reason for it because uh, he when he was a child, he saw his younger brother get kidnapped. It establishes something that comes up in the film a lot um, from that point on, which is a very childlike black and white sense of morality. Yes, that yes. is kind yeah. of through the entire film. There are no grays. It's good and bad. So it establishes that straight off where it's like kidnapping is bad. There's no nuance written into the script. So it's just like, what's he do? It's like, he just beats the fuck out of him. Anything else? Like, does he talk to him or anything? Like, no, he just he tackles him. He beats the fuck out of him. It wasn't even a kidnapping. It wasn't even a kidnapping. Yeah, but you used to be chief of security at a casino. Um, how often did you mm-hmm. beat the shit out of dads in front of their sons? How, uh, how many? What's Every your, what's your day. Call? Uh, Every day, zero, zero times. Aren't you going to ask me, Cleveland? Yeah. That's right. Used to used to be a bouncer. I was the head of security at a bar as well. That's right. And I dads you beat in front of their sons at bars. So many. Because <laughs> you can, right, you, yeah, can you, bring your, you can bring your you can bring you can bring your children in bars in Wisconsin as long as you're their legal guardian. You can you can bring your child in. They can even as long drink. As you're ready for. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you're ready to get the shit beaten out of you in front yeah, of your kid me. of course 
But yeah, so y- you're you're so right, Jan's like the 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 black and white sense of morality. Like there is not even an, an attempt to be like, hey, like who are you? Like why are you dragging this kid out of here? And he's like, okay, well I'm I'm his dad. Blah blah blah. And that would have avoided the ass beating and avoided him losing his job. Um, but we have to establish that like he is a hot-headed enough personality that he has burned bridges with basically every job he's had in the last several years and that the only thing left available to him is this this uh night gig guarding the abandoned Chuck E. Cheese. Oh, because uh because they're gonna take his, his sister. Yes, That's... because they're gonna take his sister because he takes care of his his kid sister and his aunt is an evil scheming bitch who wants the government check, uh, so is trying to uh, steal custody of of his younger sister. Right. Can we talk about how uh, the reason why she wants custody for the younger sister? So this is like a bougie middle aged white woman. Like she's very yeah. much portrayed as like a woman of means, like like rich. Yes. Um, the whole reason she wants the little sister is to get the monthly payments from the government. That is it's not, not how that, that much money. It's also not that much money. Oh. Yeah, his house is still being foreclosed on. Like It's like he can't even pay his own bills. He can like barely take care of his sister with his own income plus the government check. So it's like as a reason for the aunt to try to to get custody of the kid doesn't make any sense. Like I know that that is like a a like foster system scam people who will like foster a bunch of kids to get like the the check for each one and then like they they make the kids like sleep in the basement and shit. But like it's just such so, like it's, all the motivation in this movie is just like so incredibly flimsy for every single character. Like I don't think a single character in this movie has like a well-defined motivation except maybe Josh Hutcherson wanting to care for his sister. Like I think that might be it. Yeah, and it doesn't make any sense because she just wants to like adopt the sister. Uh if you adopt someone you don't get like checks every month. You just have a kid. Like, oh yeah, that's true. You only get system. you only get checks if you're fostering. Yeah, yeah, that's not Jesus a foster Christ. situation. So the aunt wouldn't get any money at all. Yeah, the aunt wouldn't get any money. Like, because the hutched isn't getting a check. He's just the guardian yeah, of his little right. sister because his parents are dead. So if the aunt took custody oh and adopted her, she would just have a kid. There's no check involved. That's why that you're that so motivation right. is so weird to me. That. Yeah, they they just need to they just need to have like a human antagonist, right? Maybe like the the parents had an estate or something, and it's part of it was in their will or whatever. Like who knows? Yeah, but no, yeah, like there's a the, like no, there's no, a no, trust the, or something. No, no, no. In yeah. the film, they talk about how she just wants the check every month, and yeah, the, every time I was like, matter, "What so. fucking check?" Right. right. Well, I mean, I think, I, I, think is I'm, I just I just fixed a very simple problem, right? Like like it just you just make it part of the parents' estate. You make well, it a trust. Yeah, you yeah, make, the, you make right. it a, the mom's trust. dead, but the the dad isn't dead. He's just a deadbeat. No, the yeah, dad is it, dead too. It's so weird, but it is also he, it all ties Yeah, he says he, he's at, you know, when he's explaining it, he says the mom died and then the dad just couldn't have a swing at it so 
You he said know, he couldn't. Love- he said dad couldn't take it. That implied I, to me that read that the dad killed himself no. after the mom died. Um, but that also ties back into how the script feels like it was written for twelve-year-olds because they don't care if it's foster money or custody money. It it just has to be kept simple. She wants to take the sister because she gets money if she has the sister. It's such. It's the most like childlike way to get that across. She she gets money if she has her, and she just wants the money, not the love of having a child. Another thing that drove me crazy was when the aunt is trying to get custody. She's saying that like Josh Hutcherson obviously doesn't have the ability to take care of a mentally ill child, and the the like social worker or whatever is like i don't think she's mentally ill and the aunt is like she spends all of her time talking to an imaginary friend and drawing pictures it's like yeah she's 8 years old how is that a sign of how is that mental illness and like having the villain say that too it it kind of feels like hand waving i don't know it's it's just kind of weird is she really like the villain too much is she really? No, she's, she's kind of a non-entity. I mean, well, she, yeah, because she's 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 not deep. So there's no depth to her. She's oh like yeah, she she exists thing. completely to send her her mooks to go get eaten by the animatronics. That's what she exists to do. Yeah, she's yeah. the mook sender. Yeah, because there have to because yeah. there have to be some there have to be some character deaths. Yeah. Because it's a horror movie, so let's cram them all into one single scene. You know what's really confusing to me about that scene too, where they they get sent off to die, basically. Yeah. Like uh Josh Hutcherson's job in this movie is night shift security guard, right? But during the day is when the robbery the attempted robbery where they all die happens. And there's no security guard during the day. Right. They just leave like- it open for whoever to come in. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess the the argument is that they can fire him because he didn't lock the door or whatever. But like he did, and they broke in. So it's yeah. like, yeah, I don't know what. It, again, it's just like super flimsy motivation. It's like we have to have these characters who can break into Freddy's so they can all get killed by the animatronics so we can see that they're dangerous and scary. Also like also like one of the the henchmen or whatever uh was like the babysitter for some reason. She was a spy on the inside. Yeah. Yeah, she was a spy to try to find proof that like the the little girl was being abused so the aunt could take her, but the babysitter also seems like one of Josh Hutcherson's friends. So... Like, at the diner, she, she's like, there's nothing. He's, like, good. Like, she, she makes... Yeah. Like, she is honest and just kind of desperate, but that's still enough reason to kill her off. Like, I, I thought that was kind of weird. Like... Um, How much she also died, and it can be bittersweet, but it didn't feel that way. It was like, yeah, she's still doing wrong, and it's like she's really not. She's just trying to live. How much did the aunt think the checks were going to be to hire a group of teens to break into Freddy's? Like she's spending a lot of money, thousand dollars too. Like, yeah, yeah, she's yeah. spending a thousand bucks. Yeah, and that like, like even if there was a, 
even if there was like a theoretical check, one month's check would not even be a thousand dollars. Like, how many months of checks would she have to go through before she pays off her fucking for investment? Uh, just, just two more months, and I'll break even on my scheming. Yeah, um, all the while, I've been having to take care of this child. Yeah, it seems like a, a loss, no matter which way she goes about it. Yeah, but it's crazy. yeah, like sending the kids there, and the whole reason she's sending them to Freddy's is to do some vandalism so that they'll fire the Hutch so that he can't afford his sister, and then the aunt can take her and get those sweet, sweet non-existent checks. Those sweet, sweet $170 a month checks. Yeah, it's all kid... It's kid logic. It's like... How do I... Oh, this aunt's bad because she wants her for the money instead of for, to have a loving family. Oh, she's sending him there so they can they can slop it up in there so that he'll get in trouble and lose his job and can't take care of his sister. It's all kid logic shit. It's it's kid logic in that kids don't care. Kids don't care about rent checks. They don't care about, like, estate money or whatever. Like, so you might as well write it a little bit better, you know? Like, get get something. I don't know, man. Like, it's, because you said earlier, it's like, you know, this is written for 12-year-olds. And I I kind of agree, but I want to make a distinction. I think it's written by 12-year-olds. Like, it's not actually, but it's written by, like, it's kind of thing like someone who's kind of emotionally stunted would write. Uh, that might be a little like a little over cruel or whatever. But I don't well, know. I just I go back the to like, there's so many movies was... that are written for children that are made by smart people that still work on all levels. You know, I think of something like The Incredibles or Home Alone, even or The Goonies, right? Like those films are still like good. It's it's literally fun for the whole family. And horror can have that too. I, I don't think that, that that distinction changes much. But I don't know, man. I just yeah, I, I think that kids deserve better. Than like just sloppy, lazy writing. Like I think everyone does, but kids don't care, you know. Because again, like why would kids give a shit about about that, you know? But well, while we're while, while we're talking about kid logic, um, I, I want to talk about uh, uh, Josh Hutcherson's fucking uh, dream bending that he's trying to do. <laughs> so like like we mentioned, he witnessed his younger brother being kidnapped as a child from like this this like campground out in the woods or whatever but he didn't see the man who did it he's convinced or rather he's convinced that he did see the man who did it but that he has repressed that memory and that if he teaches himself to lucid dream and forces himself to dream about his brother's kidnapping every night that eventually he will notice some detail that will solve the mystery 20 years later or whatever. Right. And so the way he goes about doing this is he keeps reading the same book on dream theory. It's literally just a book that says dream theory on the cover. Um, literal. He listens to nature sounds as he's falling asleep, and he stares at a poster for, like, Visit Nebraska, and it has pine trees on it, which reminds him of the pine trees at the campground where his brother was taken which to be clear is in the same town where he lives now so i don't know why the nebraska poster made anyway 
he falls asleep on his first during his first shift at Freddy's, and he has the same dream, but this time there are some scary little kids in in the dream. It's pretty funny. Like I got I got a pretty big laugh when the camera swings around and there's just like a passel of children and just like all spooky kids, very clearly wearing like clothes that match the puppets. Like there's the exact same number of them. There, no, no, uh, no, 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 there's not. There's one, that was one of the things. There's one extra kid than there are puppets. Okay. I was right, trying to right. figure that out. But, there's like, five kids wearing, and like, there's four wearing, puppets. Yeah, but like, but isn't one of them the there's, a, there's a so lore sorry. reason for that. Of course there is. There's a, lore, there's a lore reason for there being more ghost kids than there are animatronics? Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. One of the animatronics, one of the animatronics isn't, like, corporeal. You see it in the film. It's it's a Freddy, what? but it's not the Freddy. What? What? There, yeah, there are what? two Freddies. Of course, there are. I don't. Yeah, this is something. This is something that the fans will know. But most people are like, okay, there's just one Freddy, which means they're missing an animatronic for a child. There are two Freddies. There's normal Freddy and there's Golden Freddy. Golden Freddy is not corporeal. Uh, for the most part, that's the one that goes to the house to get Abby, or get uh, yeah, that's the oh. sister's name, right? What that's what that's what happened there? Yeah, it goes to the house, it kills the babysitter, and it takes the sister, but that's, it kills that's the aunt. Freddy. Oh no. Does it kill the aunt? Yeah, yeah, the, the, aunt. The, the babysitter oh, goes Oh the, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah the, the babysitter, babysitter gets, gets killed, killed by the animatronic. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it kills the aunt. Yeah, yeah that, the that's point. Golden Freddy. That's how the are, little blonde kids uh animatronic, and it can leave the How the are we supposed place. to it looked You're the not. same as yeah, it, there's there's just subtle visual differences where me and Ash, my wife Ash, uh, we're both like you know we we keep up on Five Nights at Freddy's. I haven't played a game in years, but I I still know what's going on in the series. Uh, I was like, oh, it's Golden Freddy, but that's knowledge like that movie. But how do you tell? Was it just was it just that because it could leave? That was the only way you know you knew uh, because no, it, it showed it, up at the no, house. Visually, it's different than the regular Freddy suit. How? Um, <laughs> Please. It is. It's more gold than brown. Like golden oh, brown. Yeah, it's Lord more gold than brown. brown. Golden brown. I would have to look at a side by. I. I could not tell. I. I thought. Yeah, no, that, I, I missed that, that entirely too. Yeah. Well, because the way the way it gets her back to the the pizzeria oh. is that they get into a cab. So I just assumed that one of the animatronics took a cab there to her house picked her up and got back and got in the cabin and, and took it back. Like, oh, this is... Okay, so here's also... So I'm looking. Um, Golden Freddy is missing an eye. It's just got, like, a, a blue glow behind one eye. Missing an ear. Uh, oh, he's like Ann's yeah. undertale. A little bit, yeah. Why is the... If it's not corporeal... Then how? Then why? When it got into the taxi, okay, in the, in like the movie, way down one side of the the cab, and the taxi driver was like, "Oh my god!" Okay, it may be corporeal in this movie, but I do know that it is. That is your fifth animatronic. Okay. See, I was assuming I was assuming that the cupcake was supposed to be the fifth one, which didn't make a lot of sense because, like, how do you fit a child's corpse into the cupcake? Uh. Uh, but yeah, the, the the reality is even dumber somehow. Yeah, and the cupcake it gets a lot of screen time. I think it has the highest body count. I think it. I think it does yeah. too. Yeah, like it's, why it does gets the most action? Why does the fox one 
scat only when it has somebody cornered at the end of one very so particular the reason for that yawns why why does the fox creature scat can you tell us i don't know i know that in the games uh freddy does the <laughs> like thing but it's never foxy i didn't think because because in this movie none of the animatronics talk ever but about three separate times somebody a character will be uh, cornered down at the end of like one particular hallway and we'll get like a POV from the fox's viewpoint and see like its shadow and it's going like da, 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 yeah, da, 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 da. and it's so like it that's only... what the fox says oh fucking kill me uh... fucking kill me but why why does the fox like, why is... is a terrible name because like foxy means like sexy Right, like it's like, ooh, foxy lady. Like, like, why would you name the kids animatronic that? I, I think it's a terrible name. Well, it's the blue, the the rabbit one is named Bonnie, right? But isn't it like a, isn't it a male? It's got like a bow tie on. That look at me assuming gender norms. Like, isn't it like, and it's like a Scottish thing, like we Bonnie lass or whatever. Like, isn't that? I don't know, man. But it sounds, but Bonnie sounds like bunny. I guess. And chica just means girl in Spanish. But, but it also chica, sounds like yeah. chick, so that yeah, they have the one girl one, and it's just named girl. Yeah, these names are bad. Like, where's where's Classic. our Charles Entertainment Cheese? Because that's a that's yeah. A where's great... Charles? Where's Charles Entertainment Cheese? Any, yeah, anyway, to try to right the ship a little bit, uh, Josh Hutcherson, when he sees these kids in his dreams, he's con- he immediately knows that they're ghost kids who are possessing the animatronics he just i guess he just knows that intuitively um because they only show up in his dreams while he's at freddy's uh he thinks that they will be able to like see something in his dream that he can't see and tell him who kidnapped his brother i don't know why really is there is that anything is there a lore reason behind that I, I honestly don't think there is. I'm like going through my brain and I'm like, okay. is there a like a mentat? So I guess after the babysitter gets killed and doesn't show up, Josh Hutcherson has to bring his sister to Freddy's with him and she makes friends with the animatronics. I, I mean, I guess that that part doesn't bother me too much. I guess it's it's fine. Like they're kids, she's a kid. They want they all just you know want companionship and friendship and love, so on and so forth. Where I have a problem with it is when the police officer character shows up. We can talk about her, uh, but when they when she shows up and all of them build a a fort with the animatronics. To like a jaunty like montage, I I hated that. Yeah, that was so weird. Yeah, yeah they it had just, that like, was really totally. Bad. It just, just like totally changed. Yeah, just like well, I mean, there wasn't really tension to begin with, but I, right. I, your your point, like yeah, important. yeah, yeah, your your point is correct. But yeah, I mean, it totally it totally just changes the tone of the film. That might make sense, like, earlier on, before we've seen the scene of them, like, of the, the animatronics, like, murdering the the goons who break into the, the 
the place or whatever. Like, maybe if that came before that, and like, oh, yeah, they are just, you know, friendly ghosts that are just using these animatronics as their corporeal forms, and I really do just want friendship. It's like, this is after we've seen them kill a bunch of people, and then it's like, let's put on, like, some jaunty music and have this fun scene where we're all working together to build a a big fort in the middle of the Freddies out of tables and chairs and tablecloths. Isn't this so fun and cute? Batiste, their eyes weren't red during that scene. Oh, you're right. Again, stupid. I could I couldn't pick out Golden Freddy either. I'm so fucking stupid. Telegraphing the red eyes and not. I'm so fucking stupid. Yeah, I didn't even think that if their eyes aren't red, that means they're not evil right then. That was, I forgot who I was talking to about that, but that was like a passing conversation after I watched the movie. They were like, yeah, when their eyes go red, they're evil. And I was like, yo, that was was not telegraphed in the film. And that's like, that's like the most, like, you you shouldn't even need to telegraph that. But like, I don't know, it's it's so sloppy that I I missed it. I mean, yeah. Typically, they, typically, red red eyes are in are like indicative trolls. of evil. But like, I don't know. I guess I I guess just because that happened so early on, like I didn't think that like, oh, if their eyes aren't red, that means they aren't evil. I just assumed that they're still evil, murderous children, right? Ghost children. Right. I, yeah, they're like, or like, what's the? Because yeah, we don't know their motive. We don't really get any of that. Then, We're just reinforced that they're dead children over and over again. Like, right, and then at some point, I, I guess the police off, officer exposition, uh, I guess, <laughs> is the one who says at some point that, like, oh, yeah, uh, they're only bad when he is controlling them. And how does he do that? Uh, somehow. Coloring pages, remember? Oh, my God! <laughs> <laughs> he controls them by putting coloring pages up on a wall in the uh in the diner. What, what does that mean? Fuck you. That's what it means. Fuck you. Wow. I wish you were joking. Remember at the very beginning when Josh Hutcherson is talking to the social worker and is like, yeah, my sister does draw a lot. And the social worker is like, pictures are how children learn how to express themselves before they know how to use the right words to do so. It is actually very common for children to draw pictures. It basically just like, <laughs> it sounds like she's reading like uh, an article out of like child psychology today. And it's like, that's how, that's them setting up that, uh, uh, crayon drawings have power. That is literally how the evil serial killer man is controlling the the dead children. By his name is William Afton. Tease respect his name. More like William Aston. Am I right? Got him. Uh, yeah. I guess we can talk about that. Um, well, yeah. The the big twist, big twist of the movie is William Afton turns out to be Matthew Lillard. Yeah, who could have who, who could have seen that coming? I mean Matthew like Lillard's performance was interesting. Like when he's the the job office guy uh and, and Afton as well. Like he puts on this, career like, consultant. Yeah career consultant and same thing. Uh he, he career consultant Steve Raglan. Yeah. That, that's um, right. 
Steve Raglan Bones. Uh, he puts this weird, like, kind of childlike affectation. You know, I don't want to be too off-color, but, like, he does this whole, like, I don't know the way he talks. He just, he talks like a toddler. Kind of hard to explain. And it, it, it really threw me off. Um, but it, it kind of works. I think that's just kind of... Because he's, like, he's just weird. Like, I guess. But I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I guess I'm less, like, familiar. But I don't know. Like, oh, you don't know Mr. Scooby-Doo himself? Yeah, yeah. Um, he is he is pretty delightful in uh, Return to Twin Peaks, but um, I think like once once he does reveal himself to be Afton, I think there's something about it that is kind of that it could almost work. Like you know, he's got this like kind of weird childlike affectation because he's obsessed with these like with murdering these childrens, and there's like a weird kind of like there's a really dark angle there that I don't know. I like, mean, he's just doing the bit. the exact same shtick that he does in the uh, the OG Scream. Yeah, like, he they, is very much yeah. leaning on that character. Yeah, yeah, they even reference it with uh with him yeah. getting shot. Yeah, we're gonna do shoot me. Oh yeah, I kept oh, yeah. on calling him uh fuckable Stu Mocker. Because <laughs> that's his character in Scream. I right. I mean when he's when he is Steve Raglan or whatever, it's like he the way that he explains the job, like the Freddy's job to Josh Hutcherson is like so immensely sinister like he's yeah. being like he's being like so sinister the whole time even if you don't know the lore to to enough to know that he's going to be like the main bad guy character which i did not i don't know what i did not know what a william afton was before watching this movie but like it, it's impossible to not realize that he's at the very least in on it Right. Like it's like he's so, so sinister about it. But yeah, when that's like the big reveal that he's the serial killer, you know, who killed all of these children and now he's a career counselor, but he also still owns Freddy Fazbear's and his and his daughter, the cop girl is his daughter who keeps talking about how much she loved freddy's back in the 80s even though she was born in 1992 the movie's what? in 19 1993 three or four the movie is yeah it's a, it's a period piece what yeah <laughs> i you did didn't not that? gather that at all i, I did not pick up on that. that at all don't they uber in the movie like or is that a taxi taxi no it's a taxi okay what I okay. I I see. I did not pick up on that at all. Is that in the games too? Or are they set in the nineties? Yes, they're set in different times. Okay. See. Yeah. Yeah. I just... yeah so the games are set anywhere from like nineteen eighty two to nine or to like two thousand twelve. Like, but for the most part, they're games that take place in the nineties, all circling around. Oh, jeez. You know, this one weird pizzeria that got closed in the eighties. Uh, so a lot of the games take place, you know, in reopened versions and. Uh, new franchises mo- and yeah i thought this movie was set in present day nah early 90s oh, idiot you fool god i am so <laughs> stupid i'm so fucking stupid well okay yeah, no, there's, there's nothing there's nothing in the production design that says 90s to me no they're really no, not kind of yeah the only thing some dialogue lines and a complete lack of cell phones like you know, a lot of a lot of, of uh, yeah. Remember that he's using the corded phone for like everything. Like in the house, he's I, thought, on the I just thought phone. that was I just thought that was because he was poor. 
I guess he is. I guess he is using. Uh, uh, <laughs> I guess he is using a tape, uh, a cassette player to listen to his nature sounds. But yeah, once but again, I just thought that was because he was poor. <laughs> yeah. Like, I could have well, sworn that. I could have like, sworn he's, he's eclectic. You know, like he's like yeah, he just likes old stuff. Like, I could have sworn no, that talk. no, that's just you, Cleveland. Um, I could have sworn that he that the aunt took out a cell phone at some point in this movie. Did she I, really? I like really? I like that Tease is like, for the poor, the 90s never ended. I mean, <laughs> sometimes it do be like that. Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I guess that's just on me, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, when I, when I was a kid in the 90s, I was mostly raised on 80s hand-me-downs. Okay, so it does make, I guess then it does make sense that Officer Exposition uh, would have been around in the in the 80s to... I guess know that her dad was murdering children... And she never, and then she became a cop and patrols the Freddies where she knows the ghosts of the children that her dad murdered inhabit the animatronics and kill people. And she hasn't done anything to stop him. It's weird. But she also goes back to it like every night on her beat, like on her right. visits Freddies. But her dad, your evil dad is there. Like, why is her dad not, like, what, what, what is he doing? Where is he? Career like, counselor by day, child murderer by night. Well, I guess he be- after Freddy's closed down, he must have become a career cu- counselor so he can find uh, down-on-their-luck people to be security guards for his haunted Chuck E. Cheese. Real quick, why? Yep. Why? Well, <laughs> why? it's even more, there's even more whys stacked on top of this right well yeah like, but like why is to, like, he why is Afton sending all these dudes to be killed by the animatronic they don't have to kill to to live right nope. just because well that? i mean because he's a killer because he's a sadist i guess does he come in and do it himself or does he let the animatronics do it? there's a lot of questions here my biggest question is okay so he he clearly he he ran this whole thing he started this he made or had these designed right these these suits designed and he they make a big them. deal about how the, there's the spring trap things where the they almost put the other like the the living girl like in one of the other ones so she can join them or whatever. And so it's clear that like all these animatronic suits are have these like mechanics inside of them that if a person enters could go wrong and murder them, you know. Yeah. And uh and uh I guess it's it's by his design. Assumedly. Yeah. Um now here's my question. He wears a suit too. Yeah maybe he wouldn't have that in the suit that he's wearing. Right. Like maybe <laughs> he would have that very simple contingency to not put the murder machine inside of his own suit. Inside of his own right? suit. Yes. Yeah. That would, like, that why, would be the smart. Why would he, because all you have to do, like it's a suit. You just have to not have the murder machine part in it. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like it's not, you have to go out of your way to make your suit a murder machine. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. So why he do that? Why he why he put himself in the murder machine so that the robots can turn it into a murder machine? Cleve, it's because the suit is plot armor. I don't understand. He could have just he could have just had the one suit that didn't have the murder machine in it, right? Like, why did he do that? I don't understand. Jans, can you can you help me? Why? No, I can't. What's There's no on? logic to it. Also, they did a terrible job of setting him up. He just sort of shows up there at the end, and we're supposed to clap if we know who that is. Like, there's no yeah. like overarching like, like like yeah. We look at the the cartoon 
or the children's like crayon drawings of like a yellow rabbit, but like they're not really played up to be scary. And there's no like yellow rabbit lurking in the background or this like talk of frankly, like way scarier dialogue would have been like, yeah, but the yellow rabbit, you know, like what is the yellow rabbit? Like you could have done something with that. I don't, don't the games do something about like a man in purple or some shit. Like, yeah, it's just William Afton again. In one of his dreams, like, one of the ghost kids is, like, drawing the rabbit, like, in the sand with the stick. Like, we do see, like, the image of the yellow rabbit around, and it's like, okay, presumably there's going to be payoff for that at some point. I Yeah, I agree. It's clumsy. Like, also, like, not knowing the lore and stuff, what I assumed happened was that, like, the killer who killed all of these kids was then himself killed by the ghost kids and his... Uh, spirit was trapped inside like the one of the animatronics too. Like that's what I thought was going to happen. And then when he just takes off the the mask yeah. and it's just Matthew Lillard, I was like, I was just like, oh, <laughs> so he's just still like around. Like his his Chuck E. Cheese murder factory got shut down, but he's just still like hanging out here. He he's still around, but where has he been? But where's <laughs> but where's he been? Yeah. I, and why did he change his name? No one caught him. Yeah, did they? Did yeah? It shut kids, down because five kids went missing. Because they, they went missing, but they were never found, and they there was never like a a suspect. No one right? was charged so, or anything. Yeah. So he just went oh, and changed shit. his name for funsies. Oh, actually, he changed his name so that fans could be like, "Oh, that's that's not William Afton." And at the end, they go, "Oh my god, it's oh, William Afton!" It's oh my Will, god, it's William Afton! Oh my god! Oh. Yeah, it's contrived. Like that's 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 the only word I need. Like, well, and I mean, so is so is so is the way they triumph too, right? You know, we've already set up like the power <laughs> of, of drawings, and we've set up uh, Matthew Lillard running around in this big animatronic bunny suit, right? Well, what about the little girl, uh, the sister? taking a a uh she sees like a wall full of drawings and the central one is the yellow rabbit smiling and like holding hands with all of the kids so what she does while william afton is beating the piss out of her brother is she runs off into a corner and draws a picture of the kids all stabbing the yellow rabbit and then she runs and she replaces the picture of them holding hands with them stabbing wait wait wait, 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 wait. i gotta stop you there because she okay. actually draws a picture of him killing them because the wall is how the okay i'm about to say the dumbest fucking thing okay <laughs> the wall is the visual memory that the animatronic ghosts use that is their memory of events is the wall of drawings no it is not explained so, so the revisionist history that william afton has is him being good friends with all of them so she's like well no he killed all of you and she drew the crayon picture and they're like oh okay. the wall where we get our information for our ghost brains now says that this guy actually killed us well excuse me once again for being a stupid wrong idiot god damn <laughs> work on that I will. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try to do better. I've really let people down this episode. This is not my. This is not my finest hour. Um, but yeah. So then the the ghost kids turn on the murder machine that's inside of his suit, and yep. and it murders him inside of the suit. Yeah. So the murder machine in the suits. Uh, there's spring lock. Uh, a spring lock system. I guess is what it's, it's. That's what it's called in universe. So what it does is once cool. there's not 
if there's not a person in the suit, you hit the switch, or whenever someone wants to get in the suit, sorry, uh, you press the switch, and the spring lock contraption pushes kind of the wiring and shit out of the way. It's kind of a wire management thing. It just pushes all the internals somewhere so a person can fit in there. I think that's kind of neat. Yeah, so if you accidentally trigger it, like what happens when the uh, the cupcake bites bites Stumacher, William Afton, um, it triggers the spring traps to reset, and so they go to push everything back in, but there's a dude in there, which is cool. Cool. But that's not explained. Like, I'm explaining it to you in a podcast. Like that's how well it's explained in the movie. Yeah, yeah. it's it's just like a little it's just like a little bear trap. All we see is just like a little bear trap, like inside of the thing that like sort of like crushes in, like it like stabs him in like the rib cage, and like that's that's all we really see. Right, I I, we, that's we, actually one of the few things I like because that, that's one of the things I like from great. the game. Um, so seeing it in the movie was cool, because uh, it's like, oh yeah, that's exactly how it works in the game. It's not so much stabbing, it's like folding in and also poking. Well, I think I that's think the really problem, fun. though, is like, you're watching the movie, it's and you're penetrating like, oh, yeah, body. that's how it works in the game. Yeah. Like, instead of being like, oh yeah, the spring trap. Like, because if, if it had been, like, better set up and executed on, it could have been pretty fucking spooky. Yeah, because if you're, you know, but but 13-year-olds don't care. Like, yeah. the movie is so jam-packed. It's such a weird place for me, because I know all of this stuff, so I can do, like, the, the Leonardo DiCaprio, like, and I'm, like, snapping and, like, pointing at the screen. I can do that, but I don't care for a movie that's full of that. But 13-year-olds are, like, you know, teens who are Five Nights at Freddy's fans, because Five Nights at Freddy's is so much bigger than the video games now. Like, Freddy's a gay icon. Like, there's all sorts of stuff going on in the Five Nights at Freddy's kind of fandom. I don't even want to get into that. Yeah. Yeah, you don't. You don't. You don't. We don't want to talk about Freddy and his this huge popularity. Um, but yeah, the, all this fan service is actually a detriment to the film, but makes it great for these teens. Just be like, oh, I know that. Oh my god, it's the white woman jump scare meme lady. Oh my god. Yeah, they haven't developed the taste for good movies yet. I'm just describing them all as just morons. I'm like, you see, they like the the pretty colors. No. Uh, these fans are just, they want to see the things that they saw in the game. They don't want it to be deeper than that. They don't care. Um, they want the same kind of horseshit style of storytelling that FNAF engages in in the games, uh, but brought to the forefront. Instead of it being like background stuff that you have to solve, they just made that the story, which was a terrible idea because you can't make like the hidden secret story the main story. Correct. But they did. Yes, um... and but but definitely to... I hate to give them credit for anything, but they definitely played to, and I, I say this as someone who market, I sell video games for a living. I look at marketing, like I understand, I, I can see the matrix as it were. It's perfect for who they were marketing to. Like it hit the demographic exactly like it was supposed to. And then some. All the sales yeah. are showing like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, and we'll, we'll visit our predictions after ratings, but I think we all, pretty much expected like this thing to be a success with its demographic. I think we all went into it knowing that we would not enjoy it, but we're not the demographic and they fucking hit that, you know, bullseye. The one last thing that I do want to mention that I think is like the one real thing in, uh, that I can say to the film's credit, um, is the animatronics themselves, 
I thought were pretty good. They're built by the Henson Company, uh, and I think that that craft work shows. We were talking about how they look so good that they almost look like CG. Um, yeah, they're so my wife lit. They're so actually, yeah, my wife actually thought they were CG until she was reading about the movie and saw that they were like Henson Workshop. And it's like, oh shit, yeah, they do. They're right up on CG. In yeah, that, it's it's, it's a strange a it's a strange texturing. Well, no, I think they do because I I think they they do a pretty good job of of capturing sort of like the artificiality that like the models look like in the game. Like I yeah. I think that 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 sort they, of they nailed them. They nailed I think that them. sort of uncanny quality yeah. comes through, and you can tell that they're physical props in the way that they move and interact with like the human characters in the film. And I think that that is. Like the one thing the film does well. Say what you want about the designs. I don't love the de- the the Five Nights at Freddy's like designs. I think they're kind of dumb looking. I do like their big tombstone teeth. I think that that's pretty scary. Um, but I think that the actual the the animatronics themselves, the puppets, all of that stuff is very well done in this movie. Like too well done for the quality of the of the film itself. I think. See. I've, I've kind of, I hate to, to be that dude because I've had kind of more time to sit on it. I'm not coming around on it. Like, I'm not like, oh, I, you, know, you know what? At the end of the day, it's a hidden gem. But I, I was hanging out with my, my nieces over the Halloween holiday. They're uh, five and three. They're, they're youngins. Uh, but my five-year-old niece is really into horror. She's just already gotten into horror, which means she loves me. You know, the uncle that works in horror. Um, scary and, uncle. Yeah, scary uncle. Work. Well, I'm also like six and a half feet tall. I'm like, I'm gonna just go squatch. I'm just like, hey, you guys wanna watch Friday the 13th? But, um, she's five. So, and she's been wanting to watch horror movies. And her dad, my brother, is terrible at this. He showed her Friday the 13th. And it's like, you don't show that to the five year old idiot. I think that Five Nights at Freddy's, barring one violent scene, is excellent gateway horror. I was talking to uh, Josh Corngut. Uh, editor-in-chief over at Dread Central um, who kind of shares the same opinion that it's definitely not a movie for adults in any way Um, but it's excellent entry-level horror for the kiddos I think yeah sure I think that's that's totally fine Um, and I don't I don't even think you're wrong I just you know as somebody who doesn't have a child I am not a child I don't have siblings that have children I can only judge it as an as an adult. So, I think right. Um, I respect like okay. So that they set out and achieved their goal with the puppetry, and that's fine. Personally, I think something is lost in not being able to see the strings as clearly. You know, the the, the child like the the youth horror stuff that I saw was and, and arguably not horror, but the labyrinth and dark crystal. Or like other these films with puppetry, and you can still kind of in some cases see like how they're made and operated by people, and to me that's part of the magic of it. And I mean that is when... the magic, but that's not what the kids care about. I loved the Dark Crystal as a kid, but I didn't care that they were puppets that people were moving. Like I, I was just focused on the story. Like kids aren't going to watch Five Nights at Freddy's and be like, oh, I can't see the strings, so I don't like this as much. No, but I think like being able to see the strings kind of makes it more magical, like and more fun. 
I, I think that's I think that's true as an adult. I I really don't like think that kids really care that much. I think I think like revisiting stuff like Labyrinth and Dark Crystal like as an adult or even as like a teenager when you're starting to like develop some some taste and interest in like how these things are made then I think yeah absolutely like being able to see how they did things is is absolutely part of the magic like I don't think you're wrong there I just I truly don't think children give a shit um, I also think that like the way that they moved there's a couple of cool shots I do I did like like where they kind of pivot their heads and their eyes blink with the big like shutters like I thought that was neat um cause that's all that's all quite mechanical but and the spring trap stuff like where what little we do get to see of that is is cool but um the way that they walk around and move didn't I, I don't know I, I think there's enough like of like an animatronic quality to it it was it was pretty it it felt quite fluid and and large and oh yeah that's and like... okay so the the spring trap suits oh my god i just keep on having to say dumb shit in this podcast this is fucked up that y'all had me come on just to make myself look like this <laughs> on the you didn't have to you didn't have to accept our invitation i could have yeah i could have just slept you could have like, um, let us muddle through this on our own and we would have we would so muddled. the spring trap suits are an upgrade from the original animatronics the original animatronics do not have spring locks in them canonically in the games uh, i think in the movie it implies that all the suits no they don't actually their bodies are hidden in there but there's no spring locks in the original animatronics because they're not made for people to be in um so your original your freddy your chica your bonnie your cupcake of course the fucking cupcake no one can fit in that stupid thing but um they're not spring lock they're just straight animatronics but there's enough space in there to fit a dead body a dead child's body so they're just they're kind of like um what are those things from warhammer they're kind of like dreadnoughts dreadnoughts yeah, yeah. kind of like <laughs> dreadnoughts they're big steel animatronics filled with dead children um the spring trap suit is an upgrade which allowed for safety's sake you know because the animatronics bit a kid um so if needed you could you know activate the spring lock system put a person in the suit and then they could walk out there those that suit is not animatronic in movement because it's just william afton moving it it becomes kind of an exo suit at that point yeah which is weird i don't know why he needs that to kill more of well originally it was to draw in kids by being a animatronic of a bunny that looked all happy you know kids fall for it and he's like hey come with me and then he murders them and stuffs them in a in a suit so um, if you guys think this is bad wait until we get four or five sequels down the line because currently in the game's chronology or in the game's canon or whatever william afton is currently a computer virus uh inhabiting an animatronic oh my god Ugh. yeah, Why not? yeah Why not? there's so much going on there's well, I mean, that's kind of to... implied because at the end of the movie, he says, "Don't you know I always come back?" Which yeah, doesn't make his... any sense because it's no, like he hasn't ever dude, come back until that's now. His... Yeah, that's his famous game line. That's all fan service right there. Everybody knows yeah. that, that famous I, William like, Afton line. So it's probably after he's come back once or twice, right? Like... Okay, so actually, the third game is oh, metal I, as fuck. Because you're like working in a an attraction that's using the old animatronics as like a haunted house attraction kind of thing, and you're security there. But that game ends with a character that has not been introduced in the movie yet that I'm sure will be because he's like the primary like foil to William Afton. But he ends up locking the spring trap William Afton in the haunted house attraction. And he's like, well, you've you've done fucked up and now it's time to find out and just lights the whole thing on fire. 
Oh, that's the Michael, don't leave me in here, Michael. Yeah, Michael. Michael. Yeah, that's Michael. exactly what that yeah, is. Yeah, that's what that um, name is from. Okay, yeah, got it. Yeah, and that's, uh, but yeah, William Afton, the fans like him so much, he just keeps coming back. He's a computer virus right now. Deal with it. Great. I'm excited well, for the sequels there. just so I can see what weird stuff they do with the other animatronics. Because there's like over 50 different animatronics in the FNAF universe. Jesus. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, I I don't think that we, I think we've done our exercise here. I don't think that when inevitably the sequel to this comes out, I, I don't think we need to uh, return to that well. I think we've pretty much well and truly uh, established that kids like this, that's fine. It's very, very much not for us. Shall we rate yeah. this and, and wrap things up, gentlemen? Yeah, just before yeah. we do, I had one tiny quick thing. And that is, I wanted to note, I, I didn't know this because I don't know what he looks like or anything, but a, apparently MatPat is in the movie, the game theory guy. Um, he's like the host at the diner or something, and that's why he says it's something. He's the he... waiter. He's the waiter at the diner, yeah. Yeah. Where he's like, some people say breakfast is the most important meal of the day, but that's just a theory. And then the theater Fuck exploded. Yeah. Um, oh my force God. blew out uh, the wall between them yeah, and whatever's playing at was the next it, theater. It all went was over my the, head. Wasn't the security guard who gets killed at the beginning some YouTuber, some theory YouTuber as well? I think no I, idea. I know, the, I, don't, I, don't I know that the Uber, or the taxi. Oh, he's a taxi driver. Sorry, is uh, also a famous YouTube guy. That doesn't surprise yeah, and me there at was, all. Like, talk that Markiplier was originally going to be in it too, and a bunch of other shit. Now we can. I'm happy to write. Okay, um, great. Yeah. Why don't you start? Two? Maybe two and a half? I don't know. It's not like an angry well, two. It's a soft two. You have to pick one. Two, two. or two and a half? Okay. A soft two. You know, no hate in my heart. Just, it's not for me. Um, I'm going to give it a one. Plenty of hate in my heart. Not for the fact that kids like it, but I hated watching it. I hated the experience. One. Yeah, I'm going to mirror that. That's a one for me, dog. Uh, you know, somehow I enjoyed Willy's Wonderland more than this, and I hated that fucking movie. I, I sat for a minute and debated whether I hated this movie more or less than Exorcist Believer, because, like, it's close. And I eventually decided that it's slightly better than Exorcist Believer because, as Cleveland articulated earlier, uh, or someone did. At least this one doesn't shit on the legacy of a much better film. Um, so, Jans, our professor of Five Nights at Freddy's lore, how would oh you God. rate the Five Nights at Freddy's film out of five? Take us to school, professor. I'm gonna give it. A, I'm gonna say two, but also with no hate in my heart. I'm gonna give it a two, and say that it's just not a film for. It's it's not my demographic. But I think that there's a lot there for fans of the series. And after almost, no, just over, or almost 10 years now of Five Nights at Freddy's as a franchise, uh, I think that at the end of the day, if it works for this massive fan base of like weirdos uh, and outcasts, then that's fine. Two out of five. All right. Well, that'll give Five Nights at Freddy's a very strong average of one and a half out of five stars. Powerful. um, if you're if you're 12 years old, go see this movie. Otherwise, I wouldn't waste your time. Um, Give us our prediction results, Ben. All right. So, um, for Rotten Tomato score, um, I predicted 55. TC predicted 35. 
Cleve, you predicted 60. Right now, it's sitting at a 30. Hey! Wow, he, even I was optimistic. Just by lowballing. On the other Opening hand. weekend, though, I predicted 40 mil. Tease, you predicted 28 mil. And Cleve, you predicted 4 mil. Well, I, Opening I weekend, it did 80 million. Holy, Holy fucking shit. Whoa, yeah. Nelly. Oh my yeah, God. It's, uh, I knew, I knew it was reference That is domestic. Yes, US and Canada. That is, I think, easily the, the largest opening weekend of any film that we predicted this year. Yes. That's crazy. Uh, it's not larger than Mario. I said that we predicted this year. Oh, did you guys predict Mario? Oh, yeah. No, we did not. We did not. (laughs) You guys don't do Mario. I missed the Mario episode. I got Mandela effect. Mario, though, I'll say. I want to say, Mario, much better film. Mario's great. Mario's obviously. Mario was fine. Mario was fine, but yes, much better film. In a world where dash cam exists, I'll just watch Five Nights at Freddy's. It's fine. Christ. Collective rating, I predicted 3.2. TC predicted 1.8, and Cleve, you predicted three and a half. Wow. Nice. I was so. pretty close. I was pretty close. And uh, our uh, top of the year comments, predictions. I said, uh, this is going to have some cool ass Henson animatronics, but uh, we'll also get lost in the sauce of its own lore. Yeah, Honestly, okay. pretty accurate. Um, TC on. said, we'll. We'll all probably hate this, but Cleve's score will skew higher because of the Henson Company animatronics. Barely. Also correct. Um, and then Cleve, you said, uh, I hope they don't get caught up in the deep lore. They sure Which did. Which they did. Good fucking shit. Um, well, next week, it's my pick, right? Yep. Thank, Thank God. God. Oh yeah, we've we've been through the fucking trials the last. Take couple us out of, of the years. darkness, please. Please, I'm I beg I'm, you. I'm rocketing us straight up into heaven. Uh, oh. We're gonna we're gonna talk about they live. Yes. Oh, but, you know that's funny. If you hadn't picked Hell it next yeah. week, I would have. I was gonna pick they live next. That's crazy. Yeah, I I love they live. Uh, Never seen it. I'll do. Oh, you haven't. You've oh, no. I'm gonna be baby for they live. Yeah, Dude, that, that's, that's why exciting. I wanted to pick it. Like I, it's kind of like every time I I see I see it like on a you know like when I'm scrolling, uh, I I I just I I get a little more embarrassed each time that I haven't seen that film because it's iconic and I and I should see it. So. Yeah, that's that's exciting. Um, yeah, so next week we'll be talking about uh, John Carpenter's classic. They live. Uh, I'm very excited about that. Fine, finally, some good fucking food, um, as Gordon Ramsay would say. Um, since we're all remote and we've been long this week, uh, we're just going to skip a sponsor. We don't. I guess we don't need to get paid this week. That's fine. Um, so we'll just we'll just wrap things up. Uh, if you like the show, be sure to leave us a five star review wherever you're listening to this thing. Uh, support us on Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/PodPeoplePod. Shout out to our honorary pod boys, Sam, Zach, Micah, and Mitchell. Join the Patreon, get into our Discord, come hang out with us. It's a good time. Um, you can also, of course, follow us at letterbox.com slash podpeoplepod, where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those reviews. Um, my extracurricular recommendation this week 
is Super Mario Wonder. I've been playing it and having a really good time. Speaking of things for babies, that is quality. <laughs> Children deserve good quality, and Nintendo delivers. Mario Mario Wonder is a game for babies that I'm really enjoying. Um, I was just going to say, I have a similar recommendation to Tease. Um, that that Switch, that Nintendo Switch, maybe the best console ever. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, go play uh, Pikmin Four. That game fucking rules. Damn, bunch of Nintendo stands in here. Um, uh, myself included. Uh, you know, okay. So usually this is the time of the episode where I do a dread shout out, but we've been like just littering the episode with dread shout outs. So instead, I am going to recommend what I think is a better children's movie with horror anim- with a horror animatronic in it and that is wallace and gromit close shave go watch nice. wallace and gromit close shave it has Hell a yeah. horrifying animatronic monster in it it's the robot dog at the end of the movie and it is still i think still terrifying i go back to it from time to time for like creature uh, design ideas it's it's really wallace good. and gromit rules well um Jans, thanks for for coming and helping educate us on five nights at freddy's do you have anything that you uh would like to plug for our listeners where they can find you so on and so forth i'm on vacation i ain't plugging shit yeah respects enjoy enjoy your carpentry vacation all right thanks everybody for listening as always next week we've got uh actually a good movie to talk about um so we'll we'll probably be in a better mood or i will be at least um until then uh stay away from chuck e cheese or he's gonna molest you Your heart desires, my love, my love.